Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Hey, DBP world, what's going on? Not much. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us for this episode. We are going to be popping open a beautiful bottle of Cabernet, which, just wait a second. I know that we've had like two other ones already. But this one is our first California cab, and it is from the Compass Winery. Can you really ever get enough cab, though? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, there's a reason why it's the most widely planted grape, right? Yeah. It's the number one red. Yeah. So we know that it's a good thing, and uh, we're excited about it. And so, it won't be our last, people. No, no, it won't. But hopefully, we'll get some <laughs> other cabs, cab blends in there too. So this camp, this Compass wine is a 2015 cab from California, and Sarah's gonna pop it open. Yeah, I am. And again, I mentioned that we, this is our third cab that we focused on, but this is mostly our, this is from California. So we get our grapes from Napa. Is that correct? Yeah. We dig in with the the Napa, California. It's a hundred percent grape sourced from Cali, uh, which I thought that was an interesting piece that we found. Um, although I guess it's good that they didn't grab, grab grapes from anywhere else because then you get the true California profile. And what's our topic today? Oh, our topic. So the compass, right? When do we need compasses? When we travel. Adventuring. Adventuring, exploring, learning new things. Um, Yeah, so we're actually going to be talking a little bit about travel and where we've traveled, some of our favorite trips, Um, talk a little bit about why we like to travel or what might spark our travel plans. And how we like to travel. And how we like to travel. Um, how, like physically how we like to travel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think that we do, we do collectively like to travel though. That's good. The cork has some pretty pictures of grapes. That was a big pour. I mean, (laughs) Sunday fun day, Sunday fun day. We're already so relaxed guys. We had a little bit of a spa day. Oh, it was like so lovely. Cheers. Cheers, bitch. I like it. That's not bad. It's very cherry. Mm-hmm. Like really, like almost, ooh, this reminds me of 4th of July. I had like a, it had electrolytes, but it was like a freeze pop, a cherry flavored freeze pop. You're going to tell me it was wine. I was no. like, what? <laughs> Frozen wine <laughs> from a, from a tube. Uh, no, it was, um, it was like, it was like a freeze pop, you know, the regular one that we would find from any grocery store, but this one had electrolytes, which makes oh. it even better. But this is, tastes like a melted and warm version of that. You know Costco has like supposedly like frozen hundred calorie like alcohol pops like margarita or whatever pops yeah like like they come in a tube what? like frozen yeah those popsicle oh, I forgot the, the what push they're pop. called not a push not pop. a push pop oh those are good like the, the little plastic tube yeah yeah I want to try them they still don't, okay I have a Costco membership so maybe I'll have, maybe we'll have that there <laughs> maybe we'll have to adventure over there <laughs> a different type of yeah adventure. a different type. <laughs> So anyways, this is 2015 mm-hmm. Compass Cab, and we are talking about travel and exploration. Um, liking it so far. So Ooh. yeah, wow. it's it's pretty good. So what's the difference between like a California cab and the rest of the cabs that we've talked about? Well, first of all, let's remind ourselves that like the cab in general is going to be uh, more of a full body, high tannins, um, you know, medium to medium high acidity. I think that truly depends upon where the grapes are grown. Okay. Um, 
California, I think, has a slightly higher acidity, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but when we had the Washington, those are going to be like more of a cooler climate. And so when you have a cooler climate, the grapes don't ripen quite as much. They have a more challenging time ripening mm-hmm. uh, versus in some of those warmer climates. So I know that these grapes are sourced in California, but I'm not certain if they're... They're in Sonoma, but I don't know if it's tends to be in more of the cooler or warmer. Because within the valley, like I think that they're... It kind of varies, the temperature, right? Uh, it does, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean... It is like the best place to grow wine. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, a, it's a very solid place to grow wine, indeed. Um, but one of the things about California cabs is that uh, depending on when you pick them, mm-hmm. also depends on um, where how good your tannins are going to be. So one of the key elements mm-hmm. is letting the grapes ripen well enough so they're not too ripe. Um, or well enough so that they're ripe enough, but not too ripe. But not too ripe. Right. So, because the, if you don't hang them on the vine long enough, then the sugar doesn't mature and mm-hmm. you need and the, the tannins. Aren't yeah, right. You need the tannins to mature as well. So they're softer on the palate and it's not like that really dry, rough texture feeling. Yeah. Um, and Cause so, they can be overpowering, like yeah. grippy and like really just like kind of gritty, like sandpapery. Right. Yeah. And so that's the nice thing about cab is that when you do do it right, it has that structure and longevity. You can keep, you can cellar it for a while. Oh, for sure. Um, but it should be it should be done right so that the tannins are soft and not, like you said, grippy or yeah, where you have that cotton mouth feeling. Mm, that's way too. Yeah. I mean, and it's not to say that those wines are bad. It's to say that I mean, wines that are like that that have more of that cotton mouth feel are probably going to go better with food. I mean, we talked about this a lot before is that high tannins means that it's going to pair well with something that is a high fatty food, um, or high protein food. And so you have to like consider that when you, you know, you pick a bottle of wine out, but this one, uh, is a 12.5% ABV. So it's, I mean, it's a medium. um, Is it 13.5? Can I not read? Really? Oh, actually, you're right. So the 2015 is 12.5. Oh. The 2016 is 13.5. Which means... All right. So let's talk about that. That means that they let the grapes ripen for the 2016 longer because it produced more sugars. Yeah. And so in order to get that sugar out and, you know, assist in the... Or be the conversion of that sugar into alcohol, they had to let it uh, ferment a little bit longer. So, so yeah, so these must have been, I mean, I don't know what they're typical, like they, if they have an average ABV, but I feel like this doesn't feel overly, um, overly alcoholic at no. all. It's actually very uh, well-balanced, I it's think. It's really soft. I think they did a nice job with the whole tannin mm-hmm. thing. Um, and, I mean, they've do, been doing this long enough, right? Yeah, like 50-some-odd years, right? Yeah, so it's the Dryer family is who makes Compass Wines, and they've been around for quite some time, like before Prohibition. Mm. Wait, before Prohibition? Yeah, I think they were, let's see, during World War I. Mm-hmm. So, um, Wait. Herman Dreyer. What? What? When was World War I? <laughs> World War II was what? like 1930-something to 45, right? Yeah, World War One was like way before that. 
I need a okay. We need a history lesson. DBB history lesson. Jamie's looking it up. I'm gonna continue on. You continue. Let's uh, talk about those dryers. Herman Dryer came during World <laughs> War One. Oh, 1914 to 1918. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I haven't taken history. It was definitely before for prohibition. Like a decade and a half. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> He was uh, under pressure to join the German regime, and instead he fled to America and fled to California eventually. Eventually he ended up there with his family. Um, And he was able to grow grapes because he had a farming background. So they purchased a 421-acre spread, which later became Compass Wines. So his son was the one who became knowledgeable and studied, like, Oh, he eventually Enology. got like analogy, yeah, analogy, analogy, like, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> World War One, World War Two, whatever. I mean, no. whatever. Um, I'm like, it's before World War Two. I know it's like in the teens somewhere. I know. I don't know. Anyways, so <laughs> so they have been in California agriculture for quite some time, um, and they. <laughs> They, they're, like, pretty well invested or well integrated into the wine community out there in California because one of them, uh, I'm going to assume this is one of the children mm-hmm. who was, has served as president of Sonoma County Wineries Association and Sonoma Valley Vintners Association and even as director of the Wine Institute. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. I mean, it's... Listen, Compass Wine is, like, no one to be trifled with. Like, it's not one to just, like, kind of pass off. Like, it seems that they have, like, a deep-seated history in the winemaking community in California. So, I, I'm not surprised that this is a... This is a pretty. This is a pretty solid cat. Yeah, they've purchased other vineyards, too, and sold them off mm-hmm. and that type of thing. So, they've been there for a while. They've also grown not just grapes, but olives, tree fruit, cotton, and tomatoes. Oh. That's nice. Yeah. There'd be nothing nicer than to, like, be drinking your wine that you made and then having some olives. They just need to get and some carrots. I was going to say, I don't, I mean, then make someone make some me a shirt. <laughs> someone making me a shirt out of my cotton. <laughs> and with a loom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're using a I'll be, like, drinking wine. And weaving it with a loom, yeah. Yes, weaving, weaving it with a loom. I don't know how to do that. Someone else would have to do that for me. That's okay. You can have somebody else. You can hire somebody with that expertise. Um, so Jonathan Dreyer, and I don't know what generation he is, but he's the general manager of wine and grape operations, and he works sales and marketing, and he received his degree from UC Davis, studied viticulture and enology. Thank you. Not vinology. Um, in agriculture economics. It so sounds fancy. They've got quite the uh, the history there, um, which is nice. Yeah. I mean, and it's, we've talked about it before. I feel like there are so many wineries, and this is obviously not just in Europe where we find, mm-hmm. you know, wineries, vineyards, they're all passed down from generation to generation. Many of these are like 10th generation uh, wineries that are owned in Europe, but that in the states they're doing that too. Yeah, and we talked before about like, what do you do if you don't have an offspring to like bequeath this to? Find find a friend or find, find like a nephew or niece, I suppose. A favorite one. Yeah, I guess. You don't pick favorites. No. <laughs> so okay, so well seated. Uh, definitely came from Germ- Germanic background. I'm curious, like, if they even uh, with the farming, what they actually grew back. 
in Germany. Germany. Um, I, I don't know. It, I'm, I would expect that it would be something that they've grown here, although I would also expect that it would be a slightly, at least a slightly different climate. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows? They obviously have wine in Germany, but I don't know if that was what they grew or they mm-hmm. grew something else or what kind of farming they did. But, I mean... This is nice. We didn't even aerate this. Isn't it nice? Yeah. It's like it's, you didn't even... And you know what? I've walked by this quite a bit and I've never actually bought it. And they um, have different varietals They too, have different right? varietals. Um, they have a white. I can't remember what it is. They, I think they have a, they have a Merlot as well. Mm. Um, but it's actually very affordable. I think it was only like $16 or something. Oh, that's like not that. bad. No. That's really not bad. No. For, I mean, for especially, the quality. Yeah. Especially because when you go to like Napa, Sonoma, like everyone, I feel like everyone somewhat expects mm-hmm. to pay like at least 30 bucks a bottle, like for a Napa cab, a traditional Napa cab. So I think, um, you know, yeah. this is actually definitely a, a, a good deal. Good deal. So do you, do you want to know some of the background behind California Cabernet? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is from the Wine Bible? It's from the Wine Bible. I was reading it earlier. I thought this was pretty remarkable. Please read it. Okay. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So, for more than a century, some of the most powerful cabs can be traced back to three different clones um, or genetic subtypes. Okay. There's three of them. I'm not even going to get into that. That's fine. (laughs) But they were imported from Bordeaux by an Irish immigrant called J his name is James Concannon. And Concannon is a big wine out in California. Yes it is. Yeah. I recognize that name. He founded the Concannon Vineyard in eighteen eighty three in California and he was the first Ooh. Irishman to own a California winery. Really? Yeah. I mean it's no scotch. Well, I mean so many of the grape clones died during Prohibition. Uh-huh. But his Bordeaux clones, the Bordeaux Concannon clones, sur- survived the prohibition, which was 13 years. It's um, a long ass time. Again, I just wonder, like, <laughs> what what did so many of these places do during prohibition? Like, I just want to know everyone's like history. I mean, a lot of them just died off, or they bootlegged, or they made. I did read that they do wines from um, for like monastery or well, missionaries and stuff. That's like that. how this one survived. Oh, really? So, yeah. So, Concanon, Concanon reinvented himself as a supplier of ultra wine to the Archbishop of San Francisco. Oh, shoot. So, that's how he his clones survived the 13-year ban. And in the 1960s, they brought, like, cuttings from those clones um, to some foundation plant services department at UC Davis. Oh, UC Davis is, like, that place big is on, big. Big on culture, yeah. So, they replicated the plants... And then a decade later, these clones were planted throughout the state. Wow. That's how Cab stuck around. <laughs> and now it is the top wine, red wine grape in California. In California. Yes. And, and probably the world. In the world. In the world. I feel like Celine Dion. In the world. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, I mean, and they've just gotten better since they've started this. So 70s, 80s is when this started again. And I mean, the cabs have just gotten better and better. So that's amazing. History lesson. Thank you, teacher Sarah. World War I, World War II. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, I mean, that's pretty fantastic. And I think that, you know, it's, it's, 
this wine is so fitting to drink today, especially with our topic, because, you know, the actual winemakers themselves had to travel in order to create this. I mean, who knows if they wouldn't have fled Germany, like perhaps this would never have existed and they wouldn't have gotten into the wine business. Maybe we wouldn't have, maybe if that Concanon hadn't left Ireland. No kidding. The world would be very different. Maybe we wouldn't have Cabernet Sauvignon. We might have a version, but it might not be as delicious as this one. Yeah. There's so many different... I can't even think about, like, the science behind all of it. Like, I was reading another book where it has all of these different clone types and whatever, and I'm just like, these letters and numbers mean nothing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those that... I have the genetic clone numbers. <laughs> I was like, that's not worth my time. <laughs> I don't care. I, don't, I care. don't care. Um... Excellent. So, you know, we talked about how the um, how the winemakers had to move um, and flee Germany, and so they traveled. I'm at that point in time. Do they have a compass? I certainly hope <laughs> they had a compass. <laughs> Shit, could you imagine? I mean, although I guess you could go by the stars and the sun and the sky. yeah. But when people are leaving during World War One, it's on some sort of ship that's taking them. It's yeah, not like but they have think to like. It's not like they went from Germany to California right away. They had to trek across yeah. the country, right? Right. So it had to be quite an adventure for them because you never, you don't really know what like lays beyond what you're going towards, especially at that point because there was still so much to explore and discover. And so a lot of it was kind of a crapshoot. I can imagine it be, being very terrifying. Oh yeah, to do that, you know. So what? Um, you know, we've talked before how we like to travel. I love to travel. And I don't think we travel out of necessity for the most part. No. But you know what? DDP should become a traveling wine show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would concur with that. We have, not concern, I would concur with that. Uh, we have traveling wine glasses now. So that's we do. Good. I'm so excited that's for them. Good. Thanks, sister. Um, yeah, but I think it's an integral part of both of our lives. It's important. It's I think that we really prioritized it. And why do you why do you travel? I am not I am not satisfied with sitting still and <laughs> I'm so glad you didn't spit wine out all over your white shirt. Oh, I was less concerned about this and more concerned oh. about like you, your floor, your <laughs> That does not that. matter. <laughs> that comes out. Uh, Jamie's wearing a white shirt and literally she almost spit her wine out all over the place. Wine so, away. It's the best solution. I am not satisfied with just sitting still. I, I need to, I need to explore. I need to see other, other cultures, other places. I need to see what, basically what God has created around this yeah. big earth and what people have done with that. We see you know, but a small sliver of what exists around us. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not satisfied sitting in that bubble. Mm-hmm. And not only, not only does it help you, um, not only is it enjoyable, but I feel like it expands your mind in ways that you can't even imagine. Your perspective becomes much bigger and you realize how small you are yeah. when you go from place to place. Yeah. And like, it humbles you. You know, like you meet these different people and how they live and it's so different from you. And I just, I'm fascinated by the different cultures around the world. Yeah. And I just, every time I travel, it leaves me wanting more. And I think that's great. I not, I mean, I'm sure that there are many people who don't really, they may not have the means to travel right. to the extent that I know that we, we've traveled and that's, I, that's fine. But I, I, I still think that if, Anybody has an opportunity to even leave, like, 
the place that they grew up in. We've we even heard about people who have never left the, where we used to yeah. live. They'd never been outside. Like get of, in the car and drive. And you I, could just drive two hours away. It doesn't have to be like a worldwide exploration, but it's even I sit there and think about Wisconsin, and there's so much that I just don't know about it. I almost want to just buy a weird was that weird Wisconsin book. I have it. I know you do. I kind of want to buy it for myself and just like you should borrow like, it. Go look at places <laughs> and check places off because I think that there are so many stories. Even in you know, we just pass by so much stuff on our daily lives anyway because it's not part of our routine to just sit and stop and stare and look up all these other facts but when you travel I think there's you try to be more in tune with what's around you and I think that uh, you're right you do you pay a little bit more attention to the culture and what exists and perhaps why it got that way yeah no there's a lot in Wisconsin that I think I we haven't explored as well like there's national parks I haven't even really been to Door County like all these places I'd love to go and so yeah it doesn't have to be international I mean if you don't have the means I also think though it also depends on your priorities in life so um if for example like we're not into the fancy cars right Mm -hmm. so like I'm okay not having a luxury car. and Oh, you're going to forego that so that you have an opportunity to do something to do, else? Yeah. Yeah. Investment. Like, I'd rather have a smaller, simpler house and be able to travel however many times a year. Yeah. Like, for me, and that, that maybe is not everybody, but for me, that is, it is almost, it's vital to survival almost. And not yeah. survival, but... You can always live without it, but for me, it's vital for my actual life. So I think like, that, yeah, I think that too. I'm, I think that because your family is kind of spread out. I know we've talked about too, mm-hmm. and your family has, you know, came over more recently as well to the states. That you have more of a tie and uh, want to integrate more so with your heritage, you know. And I, th- I, I actually think that that's fantastic because it makes it feel more tangible if you will Well, that too but I also think that I also want to see what other people like how like I said like other heritage yeah how they live and that kind of thing and you know it's just we're so sheltered in America Mm -hmm. you know and I I it's it's like you got to get out there you got to travel you got to see other places it's just it's enriching it's it makes you a better person yeah you know so I think um you know we this leads almost perfectly into an Anthony Bourdain quote. And I know that we, there are many different ways and that we learn about different places to travel and start to, you know, write our bucket list down and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, all these travel shows, you know, Rick Steves has like amazing travel books. I love his books. They're so great. And one of the best things that I like about it, and I'm not going to lie, I've definitely torn apart my fair share of Rick Steves books, not because I don't like them, but it's because, I don't want to lug the big book around, but I want to, we want to do like the, he has walking tours. Oh, I will tell you. Yeah. I'll tell you how long it'll take and like literally navigate you through these cities. And I mean, he has maps that are really helpful too, but he just writes his things in a very, I think approachable way. And it, he's like pretty real about stuff. And it's, you don't feel like he's been, you know, coerced into including specific places in his books. It's just, you, he legitimately loves them. Right. But, uh, you know, Anthony Bourdain also had, has a 
travel show. Yeah. I had a travel show. So, I mean, I have to say, when I found out about Anthony Bourdain's death, I was like, you know, you hear Didn't you send, I think you sent me a text. I was devastated, honestly, because he is someone who I feel like, you know, we've watched him on, we've watched his show almost religiously. And because he open he he travels in a way that I love, like it's it's no it's no nonsense. He gets down to the people and he relates yeah. to people on a level that no one has ever done. Mm-hmm. And like really like going to the place and seeing how the people live and it's not touristy and it's real and it's raw and it's not always comfortable. But it's no, it's not. It's not always comfortable, but it's it, it's the real shit. And, like, I love that. Like, and I love that he relates to people on, like, that kind of level. And, you know, it was just, it's sad on so many levels. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, like, this person who I don't really know. But, like, has, it, I feel like he's inspired, not just me, but. Oh, I think he's inspired lots m- of people in this country. I was going to say millions. But yeah. Probably not far off. But, um, yeah, I think that he. I think that he does, he's done a lot to open people's eyes, Mm -hmm. you know, and one of the thing, one of his quotes that, you know, I think is Mm -hmm. so great and I, you either said the exact same thing or did I in, or in a way, (laughs) I don't even know, but it's travel changes you as you move through this life and this world, you change things slightly. You leave marks behind, however small, and in return, life and travel leave marks on you. Most of the time, those marks on your body or on your heart are beautiful. Often, though, they hurt. And I think that's interesting. It's super, super deep. And, I mean, I can take that, you know, you leave these marks. We talked about different reasons why we travel. And, you know, one of the things I know I went to, my first time I went to Europe was with uh, Sean several years ago. And we went to England, Paris, and Amsterdam. And when I was in Amsterdam, I... You know, it's a beautiful place, mm-hmm. right? Tulips everywhere. Um, awesome museums. Like we saw uh, Van Gogh exhibit. Oh, it's like so amazing. And we, I almost got killed by a bicyclist, but that's okay. <laughs> um, really, really cool and really nice people. Mm-hmm. But I, of course, went to the Anne Frank house, right? I mean, we were staying not too far from it. Mm-hmm. And it go, going through that, you just experience not even a fraction of I'm sure the pain that that family went through, but you, it's still, I think it, it humbles you and you feel a little bit of pain in your heart because you're like, I can't believe that this is what has happened. Right. And you know, it leaves these marks on you. It's something that I will never forget. And you know, I came out of it, you know, it's not the, it's not the best happy ending story. I mean, her, her father survived or whatever, but, um, you know, I think that it's important to not try to erase history and to, you know, see what's still there while it's still there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, for sure. It's 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 crazy seeing and like America's a young country, right? So totally. we don't have some of those things, but going to we other don't have that. going to other countries and seeing how old things are, it's it's insane. You know? So yeah, I don't so is it, what was your favorite trip? Ooh, like my favorite favorite. Or I mean like one of your top three. I mean, I will say I did really like that that England, Paris, mm-hmm. um, Amsterdam trip uh, for a lot of different reasons because, A, it was my first time to Europe, 
I had only been to Australia when I studied abroad, but so this was the first time to Europe and I'd always wanted to go always, always, always. And, um, I was sad because I didn't spend a ton of time in England, but mm-hmm. when we made it to Paris, we had some friends who were living there, Okay, which was great. And we were super appreciative because one of those friends we had gone to high school with and he ended up, I don't know how it worked out so great, but he ended up taking us around and the kids spoke like fluent French, mm-hmm. at least according to us. So I could kind of understand, you know, we've talked before, we, both you and I have taken French, right. but, um, it was just a cool, I love the vibe. It's such an old, old city. I wanted to go further into the country in Paris and France. Um, but Paris is just so iconic. We did the Eiffel Tower. We climbed the stairs, all the, you know, cliched stuff. But it was still just eye-opening to see how a completely different culture lives. And it, it was the yeah. first time I'd been out of the country to a place where they don't speak English okay. regularly. And uh, on my last night in Paris, we actually went to this hotel or this restaurant. And we were talking and our waiter came up to us and said you can read French? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, okay, here's our deal. You cannot talk in English to me. (laughs) I cannot talk in French to you. You have to talk in French and I have to talk in English. (laughs) And I was like, I'm really, really horrible. You're going to be so angry (laughs) because I'm going to butcher your language. And he's like, but this is how you learn. It's so true. And that is like, how you learn. Like, this is like the nicest that anyone has ever been. Yeah, they've been never here. been that nice to me in France. But yeah, that's. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, France is a cool place for sure. Um, I love the their wine and food culture there, and I really. Oh, yes. I'm jumping ahead. To and people watching. I really want to go to like Lyon. Lyon, France, oh, yeah. I and Burgundy. I am like. Weren't we talking about that guy about Lyon with that guy from Thief? A pot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because he I, had just come back. From I want to go there so bad, and I want to go to Burgundy, and I just want to live mm. through the wine and food. A year in Burgundy. Uh, yes. I watched that. I love it. I want to be a part of it. Um, but yeah. So that was your favorite. That or was top three. Probably one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. A- again, it just kind of opened my eyes. I've taken a couple other. Um, international trip since mm-hmm. then, but yeah, I think that that was you know sort of gave me more of the England or the sorry the European Bye. travel blog uh, bug. Yeah, but what about you? What's like? Um, well, I've been going to England since I was a kid mm-hmm. because my family's there. So for England, for me is is my second home, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't consider that really a, a new trip. travel place. I would say I've, so I had very different trips on these Mm -hmm. two, but I would say Portugal and Italy were two of my best trips and Italy. Mm. I went with my mother. Um, How long ago did you go? Uh, God, maybe five years ago or something like that. Okay. Um, and we did this organized, uh, cause it was just us going and we kind of were a little bit less. I booked even now. We book trips last night. <laughs> we like think of where we're gonna go, and then we just kind of. Just You're I don't like know. More spur we don't, of the moment. Yeah, we don't plan things very well. Like we have vacation time, and then we're like, "Well, where are we gonna go?" You know, and we just like go for it. And I'm I'm okay with that. You know, sometimes we end up paying more money, which is not great. But we just I'm not okay with I I just can't plan in advance. 
I mean, but I feel well. like I have to because then I'm afraid, like, what if we can't get where we need? Especially if you go somewhere where they speak a different so, language. So, I will, okay, so these are the two different ways of traveling, and I will say the positives and negatives that I've experienced with both. Okay. Um, okay, so Italy, I went with my mom, and we did a, a tour through, like, a travel company. So we were with the a big, duration of your trip. Yes, was a tour? so we were with a big group. Okay, um, and we met up with them, and like they booked everything for us—hotels, like connections, meals, like everything wow. through Italy. So we went to Rome, um, Venice, Florence, and mm. uh, Lake Garda, which is like actually a popular European vacation spot really yeah and we saw the most i mean amazing things and when we were in florence we actually got to go to this um estate where they grew their own food and made their own wine and they made us dinner and we like from the whole group yes the whole group like how big was your group Um, like i'm just like 20 people Oh, okay. 20 to 30, maybe. Okay. Um, I mean, I've seen travel groups on other trips where there's, like, upwards of, like, 50 human beings. Like... I don't think it was... Maybe it was that many. If it was, I didn't feel that way. I don't remember exactly. But, I mean, it was this huge group, like, in this, like, this estate, this house that they toured us through, and it was, it was amazing. You're, like, in Florence wine country, and you're, like, I don't think this is something I could have done if these people didn't bring me there. Right. However, we were on a schedule... You know, like, wake up at 7, bless leaves at 9, we're here at this. Granted, we skipped some lines, like, when we were going to the Vatican and things like that. But But basically, you don't have the opportunity to... You don't have control over your own schedule, and I really didn't like that. Mm. You know, so there actually was a time... I was like... (laughs) I was like the rebel of the group, because... Of course you I mean, I just like... Sergeant says Sarah. I was the like, rebel of the group. Say what? <laughs> <laughs> I can't possibly fathom that. <laughs> My mom and I like went off at some point, like Venice, and I was like, I am not going off on this tour. Like we were gonna do our own thing. We found. We just like walked around. We found the best pizza I've ever had in my life, dude. Like in Venice, like. I mean, Do you remember we where had, it is because I would die. I just want to uh, live there. It was like in a corner somewhere, but we had the best time on our own, just wandering around. And well, like, there's, it's nice to have freedom and not to have an agenda yes. sometimes because it's like you sometimes you just stumble upon things, and mm-hmm. if you have everything, everything planned out to a T without yeah. any sort of like free time, if you will, like you risk losing opportunities that you might not have known existed. Yeah, it's true. So. And so, so there was a, positives and negatives. I mean, the positives were we did get into some places we probably wouldn't have been able to. Mm-hmm. But I, I really didn't enjoy that. And I honestly don't think I would do it again uh, in that way. Nice that way. Yeah. I mean, Italy was amazing, but I don't think I would ever do it that way again. Yeah. So this brings me to my, one of my next favorite trips, which was Portugal, mm-hmm. which I went with my then boyfriend, became fiance. Woohoo! <laughs> so my husband was. Amazing when enough left me for that trip. <laughs> to propose to me on you know That's in Portugal and it was it was amazing. Um, he was very romantic and I surprised me and could not have like asked for anything more. Like it was totally beyond my wildest dreams. Um, but that being said, 
you know, he had asked me to choose the place we were going to go. And I, I have always wanted to go to Portugal and I, you know, I can't even pinpoint. Did you tell him that or did he yeah. just, okay. No, we had, we, he told me, he's like, choose a place you want to go in Europe, you know, and we'll go. And yeah. like, we were planning this vacation and, you know, so we like went back and forth with a few places and I was like, you know, I've always wanted to go to Portugal and he, he had wanted to go, but I don't think it was as up on his top sure, 10. Sure, sure, He like had interest in going and he was like, yeah, okay, you know, let's do that. So we traveled very differently there. We had the first two nights booked and the last night booked. I still but cannot the believe part, that. We didn't. And I was a little bit nervous about that in the beginning, but it was so cool. It really was. But like, I mean, tell me how, okay, remind me and tell our listeners, like, how did you then like find places? Didn't you like go, I could be making this up. Weren't you just like walking along the street and you found this like hotel or something and like you like went in and they're like, oh, but we're closed, but oh, but you know what? You could stay. Or it was something we've weird, had, right? So this isn't the, that was the first trip we've traveled like that, but we've had trips after that, that we've traveled like okay. that. Um, this was the first time I had done that. So, and I was like, are you sure you want to do that? He's like, yes, trust me. And he was right. I mean, like it was, it was, it was, it was so, it still makes me so It wasn't nervous. a high travel time, you know? Which um, is probably when you should do a trip like that. Right. But like, we just kind of drove around. I had a bunch of. Uh, Portugal travel books and like we would be like okay we're gonna like aim towards like either you know this spot we want to see or hotel or whatever and I'd look through hotels and we would just kind of like go to one and we'd be like hey do you have a room and they'd be like yes we do and you know we did not really get turned away it was kind of crazy I mean I guess I always assume that like if you just like show up at a hotel like it's usually you're gonna pay an arm and a leg no we didn't at all actually Portugal is extremely cheap um in terms of Europe it really is but it was an amazing trip because we experienced things I don't ever think we could have had we had it planned and, and this is where I, I kind of loop back into the whole Anthony Bourdain thing, like how he travels. It really, we had actually watched his episode. About Liz- Portugal. Lisbon. Okay, Lisbon specifically. We traveled like through the Algarve and everything, but Lisbon specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, yeah, Lisbon specifically. Um, and before you, know, you went. Before we went. And so we kind of were like, had an idea in Lisbon of maybe like, we went to the restaurant he went to, Ramiro's okay. and whatever. But some of the best places we found... We're just like, we just stumbled upon, mm-hmm. like we stumbled upon this restaurant. It was so funny. They had, they, and their wine there is amazing. And I know we're going to talk more about this at some point. Cause we'll do a Portugal wine, Portuguese wine, another one. Mm-hmm. But like we went to this restaurant and like there was a sausage that Adam was like, this is what? amazing. It was so good. Right. The guy would not give us any more <laughs> cause it's just like this like homemade place. Oh. And he was just like, it's like a, like we're in, and he's like, like you this, can't eat my whole supply. Like, and he like, <laughs> gave, like the wines came in jugs in like clay jugs. Really? Like it was like amazing. And you're just like, you know what? Props to you. You're like, is this real life? Like it was really it like, is, real is this life. real life? But like we stumbled upon places like that, like everywhere where everything was just so authentic that you're like. Did you ever feel though with it being unplanned that you like had like lulls or that you mm-hmm. were just like I just don't even know what to do? Not a, not even for a minute. No. No. We just like 
it's just there's so it's like one thing leads you to another leads you to another and then all yeah. of a sudden you're in this amazing spot right like for example we were sp- trying to find this hotel in the center of this city and we couldn't find it i mean i it, the hilarious part is like navigation there it's like the it's like from the 1980s like whatever we got from our rental car company shut up so it would be like recalculating i'm like god oh. damn it <laughs> You're like, Tom, Tom. Yeah. So it kept recalculating. We couldn't find this hotel. We ended up at a different... <laughs> it was like hilarious. It's like a, like out of a Chevy Chase movie. But Oh my God. So we I'm ended up at you. this other hotel, yeah. and which is fine. But it turns out that the owner of the hotel also owned a restaurant, and we ended up going to this restaurant. We had the best time at this restaurant. Like, Are you guys the only two in that one? No. There oh, was other okay. people, but like... I mean, it was just such a... We made friends with the waiters. We were buying them wine. Like, it was, like, the best time. And so, like... So different than America. It's so different. (laughs) It's so different. But, like, that's the kind of thing. I mean, like, everyone was so hospitable, like, wherever we went. Like, the food was just, like, amazing. The the ocean, the views, the the architecture was amazing. Um, And speaking of compass... Oh, yeah. We actually went to where Henry the Navigator was. Um, and there is actually, like, where he made the first compass. It's there on the... on the. It's, like, ginormous. It's right? huge. You, like, walk on it? We actually... Do you not walk on you it? You can it, walk on it. We okay. couldn't because this. we had one day of, like, horrible weather where it was storming so bad <laughs> that, like, the videos look like I'm flying. It's, it's awful. <laughs> so they... was going to be blown up into the Yeah. There, so they wouldn't let anyone on there. We, like... They, like wouldn't like let us walk over it? there massive it's ma- it's massive but like, he made it was like yeah like so, how bit like how bit like you're like a lot like is it like a fo- it's not a football uh, no not that big uh not that big but i mean it's, but it's pretty, pretty large. large yeah so it's really cool to see that like like someone was there looking <laughs> for america or you know <laughs> And they made a compass. <laughs> I mean, it's it's amazing. Like the whole. Oh. Oh, hello. Hello, hey. computer. How are you? Wake um, up. Wake up, sunshine. <laughs> but it was just it was crazy to to sit there and like or stand and yeah. well, try to stand and not get blown away. Yeah. In that point, but we actually stayed at a hotel like right there. That could you could see all of it. Oh well, that's good. So it's in Sagres, if ever if anyone ever wants. What to is know. it? Sagres. Sagres. Huh. Is the name? Yeah. So. Um, yeah. I don't know. So What's it called? Henry. Henry the Navigator. Henry the Navigator's. Compass. Yeah, his. Com- it's it basically. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, he was he was the person who like began the explorations and initiated the Age of Discoveries in Portugal. Oh wow! Yeah, you know, I sit there and I think about like how I would travel, and I think that I maybe I so I've only done like the sort of plan a couple parts, mm-hmm. you know, see how the rest goes a couple times, like domestically. Like, we drove one time from Chicago to Key West. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, like, the only real midpoints that we had were uh, Memphis, because mm-hmm. I wanted to go to Graceland. Because, mm-hmm. you know, 
I love Elvis and Sean has never been there. <laughs> and then, um, we were going to stop like in Florida city, which I think is just before you get to like start to driving the keys. Okay. So we stayed there and we weren't quite sure like what exactly we wanted to do. Uh-huh. Um, and then we just kind of played everything else by ear with the trip. You know, we weren't sure if we were going to, I brought all my dad's like tent stuff, like as if we were going to camp out on one of the, the other Key West islands, like okay. whatever. And so, I mean, there's a part of me that really wishes that we would have, but it, we hadn't camped before. Sean is not a believer in preparing yourself okay. for camping. Okay. I'm like, you're an idiot. Like, if we can't set up a freaking tent, we shouldn't be using it. Um, and then and then we ended up, but it was also ungodly hot and humid. And I was like, I won't be able to sleep with that. I'm sorry. We should do this another time, not in July. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so we did that. And then we also did that actually this past winter when we went to Big Sur. And we started off in San Francisco. We stayed a, uh, a couple of nights in San Francisco. And then we, I think I booked a hotel in Monterey, which I knew would be like a ways away so we could sort of snake through some of the northern suburbs, if you will, I guess, and cities. And then we just kind of went down the coast and we're like, we could go back to Monterey, but let's just kind of see. The sad part is that our original trip was meant to be just like literally driving down the coast and kind of stopping off in different places. Unfortunately, there was like some big rock slide there Mm. that still had a good chunk of, uh, is it the one? I think it's like interstate one or something. And it was like blocked off. So you couldn't actually finish the full Big Sur drive, which was really unfortunate because we would have ended up a little bit further south. Yeah. um, Could have gone to Paso Robles, um, especially to taste some wines. (laughs) But it was still, it was an an interesting way to travel. And I think that that was like, we were so freaking exhausted. You know, holidays are crazy, especially because we went from Wisconsin to St. Louis, from St. Louis to San Francisco, and then from San Francisco to Wisconsin. It was like somewhat crazy. But it was still, it has its own pleasures, like in its own special way, right? I think that I am a planner. (laughs) And so I usually like to have not everything mapped out like you said with all of those like like the big groups like sometimes I think it yeah. would be good to join a big group for maybe like a day it was a lot for a week for a full week I think that that would be especially if you are if you're paired with a bunch of people that you just don't well, really and I almost felt like they rushed us through some places yeah I could I could totally see that yeah especially think that's why I was asking too about the size of your group because mm-hmm. The bigger your group is, the more you have to wrangle. And so yeah. they're so concerned about losing people along the way that they try to cut the trip short and you end up waiting for like 20, 30 minutes to an hour just for the stragglers to come along. So they've been able to take in way more than you were. Oh, I was Because a you were prompt. <laughs> do, do you remember when we went to uh, Star Rock? <laughs> and we were late to join our group. Yeah. And the guy was like, oh, God. <laughs> exactly. He, he basically thought we were going to be trouble. So. And then we were star students. So yeah, imagine fine. that for a week. Like, yeah. being the troublemaker that's, like, straggling. And Again, I'm like, Sergeant Sass over there. I'm like, I don't need a... <laughs> like, stop making me on vacation, like, show up to the minute. Like, I'm not okay with that. Uh, we need you back here at 12.07. Like, literally, that's how it was. <laughs> I was like, get away from me right now with this nonsense, you know. 
<laughs> Big piece of manchego right So, here. yeah. Um, Whatever. So, okay. So, when you plan your travels, so yeah. you've gone through, like, a travel agency. Yeah. You sort of book it on your own. I know I've used, like, for our road trips, right? So, for, like, Big Sur. Yeah. And uh, even when we went to Key West a few years ago, I used this website called Road Trippers. Hmm. And it it's sort of a... You can say your starting point, and if you have, you know, a, an ultimate endpoint, and any points you want to stop off in between, and they'll have recommendations for you. Okay. And so, I that's how I found out about this one place called the Mystery Spot. Okay. It's near San Jose, I think. It's like outside. Oh, my cousins up there. Do they really? Yeah. I we we went there because we went to the Winchester Mystery uh, House, um, which. I did that when I was younger too. But anyway, uh-huh. the the mystery spot uh-huh. is supposed to be this weird place okay. that has some vortex dimension type thing. Sarah. <laughs> I'm like, why are you the talking The look on your face, you're like, is this Twilight Zone? What's yeah. happening? Uh, it is actually, there's something to do like weird with gravity or whatever. And you can stand in places and like, Women who wear necklaces, their necklaces, like, hang off of them. Like, it's weird magnetized shit. Okay. And it's just because of simply, like, it's some weird spot. There, are, I don't know if there are, like, five spots in the world like this, but there's one outside of San Jose. That's Jose. pretty cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't pre-buy tickets. Oh. But I found out about it because of this road trippers. Because it'll give you recommendations of things you want to go do or see along the way. And then from there, you know, you can choose to add it and it'll like recalculate mm-hmm. your mileage, recalculate your estimated gas amount and stuff. So it's, it's actually a pretty nifty website if you ask me and you can yeah. share your plans with other people. Um, we'd never, we never ended up making it. We went to the mystery spot. We drove down there, which was mildly terrifying because uh, it's like super narrow, windy streets, but people live down there. I mean, right. they're like massive trucks like that just barrel through, but regardless, we made it safely, but I never ended up Going there because all the tickets were sold out for the day, which was really unfortunate. Um, yeah. But I still think that Road Trippers is a really good website because it's not... Like, your travel books are going to be great resources, too, but I think the super weird, quirky stuff might not necessarily be included in there. And it might be, but it it also... It, I do think that only the travel books sort of only give you like one side yeah and you know it's like if people have agreed to have some sort of promotion or something yeah. i don't know i always well, get like really i mean like the that. rick steves books and stuff have I definitely think great yeah they've definitely led us in the right direction i feel like we found our own stuff along the way yeah but they give you good ideas of like what neighborhoods to stay mm-hmm. in and like the cost of certain areas yeah. and i also like rick steves because like he's again realist and i think yeah. he gives things for like Budget, like moderate level, and then also, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, high luxury premium uh, level, you know, if you want to stay at those types of hotels or do dine at those specific places. Um, What's a, I've also, I've also found some things on Pinterest too. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I like to do that for like my bucket list of places I really want to go to, or if I think something's really cool. So what's on your bucket list? Oh, I mean, we talked a lot about like, why we want to travel. And I think one of the primary, two of the primary ones would be like Prague. Mm -hmm. And I I do want to go to Poland. I have family from, most of my family is from Prague and or Poland. And so I I really do want to go there. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
more so just so I can learn how to pronounce my initial, my original <laughs> last name, um, because I've heard from somebody who is Czech or from Czech or he studied there that it's not pronounced the way that I, we pronounce it. Okay. So I would, I mean, I just love to go there and I hear the St. Charles Bridge is so amazing and romantic. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. But I want to go to wine countries. Yeah. Too. Definitely. DBP Travels. Hell yeah. <laughs> Sponsor us now. <laughs> <laughs> domestic, and, domestic and potentially international, I'll say. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, we talked about heritage and the fact that some of the wineries in, like, Italy and France have just been around for Ever. ages. I know. It's uh, so cool. But when you come to the States, sure, they've been around for 150-some-odd years or 140 years, whatever, if we're talking about Concanon, and it's amazing. I can't even fathom that, let alone, like, centuries. Right. So, yeah, those are some of my, some of my bucket lists. I, I guess I'd eventually want to go to New Zealand, but man, that plane ride is just Yeah, the plane ride to South Africa was quite... How long is it? We flew to London, and then from London, it was 11 hours. Can you imagine... Well, wait, so what is that? Is that like 17? It was more than that because we also had a layover. It took us, it took us like 28 hours to get there. Mm. Yeah, that's a doozy. I was not really happy with that. You got to get your shot. But I mean, South Africa is great. It was just like, what is this travel time (laughs) happening right now? (laughs) So, yeah. What's on your bucket list then? My bucket list? Yeah. Quite a few things. You know, I said Lyon and Burgundy for sure. What about, do you have any domestic yeah, bucket list things? Yeah, um, Well, I guess Banff is not really domestic. That's Canada. Um, but Banff is on... Yeah, it's close. It's Banff is on her bucket list. I want to go to Jackson Hole. Oh, um, do you? Yeah, that's, that's definitely um, local uh, or domestic. Um, stateside. Stateside. <laughs> I've been to Portland, Oregon. It was great. I'd like to go again and, you know, do some of the mountains. I've been to Seattle and did the mountains, but didn't do the wineries. So I'd like oh, really? to do the Washington wine. Yeah. Wineries. I hear Portland, Maine is great. I have, um, you know, that's one place I really haven't been is like, I haven't hit either of like the Northwest or Northeast yeah. coast a lot. I mean, yeah. I've gone to New York, but that's, that's really it. Uh, Machu Picchu. Ah, uh, yeah. On the list, for sure. Um, Spain. Oh, me too. I was just talking about Spain yeah. with one of my friends. Yeah, I haven't been there. We've been, I've been, you know, wanting to go. I just um, read that Dan Brown book called Origins, and they talk about Barcelona, Barcelona, quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I did just say it. Barcelona. But. Don't you say, aren't you supposed to pronounce it with like. You're making me laugh right now. Okay, Barcelona. I'll say it once more. But they actually, in the book, they talk, you know, because Dan Brown is like very much a uh, an author about, he has so many geographic yeah. points. Uh-huh. And, you know, in Angels and Demons and whatever, like he talks all about, and Da Vinci Code, uh, Rome. Well, uh, it's one, I, read, I read one of his while I was in Italy. Which one? Um, God, what's the name of it? As much, I mean, as much as I do enjoy his books, like... He has a method to his... Like, there... I've caught all of the twists and turns in all of his books oh. because I picked up on his... I've only read the one. Oh, girl. I think I've read, like, five or six Okay. Books. But this origin one takes you to 
Spain. Okay. And they talk about some of the architecture and I, oh God, I, it's someone who had, does the Guggenheim. There's a, like a Guggenheim out in Spain. Okay. But there's also, I, it, there's so many colorful expressions of artistry within the architecture that I think it would just be amazing to see in person. Mm-hmm. I've seen photographs and things like that, but I just think it would be so well, wonderful to experience that. Morocco's on my list. Mm-hmm. And, um... Petra in Jordan. Oh, yeah? So Petra is one of the seven wonders of the world. And the Dead Sea. I want to see the Dead Sea before it goes away. Oh. So. Is that the one where you, like, float? Yeah. Yeah. So those are, like, some of the top ones. But, I mean, there's definitely more. I feel like I have a running list. Does it only keep getting bigger? Yes. (laughs) And actually, um... So many we were watching Anthony Bourdain the other night, and Basque looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is the thing: sometimes he introduces you to places that you wouldn't even know. Were you wouldn't on the even map. think about. And that's the thing. I mean, that's why I think that some of these travel shows and magazines mm-hmm. and books and whatever, even like National Geographic. I know I've gotten like it has, they do like an annual like top places to travel this year yeah. and some of them are pretty sure they're like obscure or whatever but I think that there's so many that are achievable that like it just kind of opens your eyes right and so I think it's amazing that like Anthony Bourdain like I Sean also really likes Andrew Zimmer okay it's like weird foods oh yeah we watch Chef's she likes table a lot weird foods well I don't think you've watched Chef's table Chef's table is um, I like it. It's sometimes it can be a little slow for me, okay. but I like it cause it, it's so I like places where you can incorporate this like high level, like food, um, yeah. with your experience. And I think chef's table shows you that. Well, don't you think that it expresses the area that's around you and exactly. what they, yeah, what they, what flavors they, and, uh, different where they come from. Mm-hmm. One of the most notable ones is this chef from Brazil. Yeah, which I mean, Brazil is somewhere I would want to go eventually. I don't know if it's on my top, yeah, ten, you know. But um, yeah, he's so passionate about his country and the food that he makes. So it's like amazing to watch him. Yeah. You know? um, so that's why that's a cool a cool show. Yeah. But yeah, most of these travel shows, I mean, are they they just kind of open your eyes sometimes and and books, you Truly. know, like. Read like Ernest Hemingway, like yeah. reading those, you know, his books and things like that. Like you like walk through Paris with him and Key West and all those places. And it's just, oh like, yeah, his house at Key West. Mm-hmm. My sister-in-law at first was like, there are cats that have an extra toe. And I was yeah. like, there are, they're We've roam. been there. Yeah, we yeah. have too. They roam the, they're polydactyl. Yeah. I forgot the name of it. She looked it up for me. Um, super, super interesting. But yeah, I mean, I just... Overall, I feel like if I couldn't travel, then I couldn't breathe oxygen. It, it's it's just, but that's me. Like that's just me. But I think and, that you know you need to be a perceptive person too for like travel to I think mean something and to mm-hmm. make an impact on your life. You know, mm-hmm. with Anthony Bourdain's quote that I mentioned before, that it leaves a mark on you and that yep. you leave a mark on it. Yeah, I, I think that you need to be. Again, it's one of those things where in our society we need to sort of turn off like everything else like the outside world Mm -hmm. to some extent and turn off the technology focused world or the distracted and multi and be multitasking and just 
embrace everything that's around mm-hmm. you at that point in time because it's something that is a potentially limited opportunity. So true. And like be respectful of other people's like cultures and the way they live. I mean, I think yeah. that's another thing. Like you go into the, you go in there and you're like, you know, no offense to Americans, but we can be loud and demanding. And I yeah. think that that is not sometimes you got to learn when you go to these places to just like take a step back and realize it's not instant gratification all the time. No. Very different like, lifestyles. It's a very in different, different lifestyle. But you know what? I love sitting at a restaurant like when we were in Venice, like, and no one coming to pick up my plate until I asked them to. I know, right? But it's also yeah. one of those things where I mean, you really need to learn up on or read up on what that culture is and what yeah. the the norms are because it's true. You could be sitting around waiting because in the states, everyone just like drops. Well, they everything. come. In, they come and get your plate. It's like they just want to rush you out. Exactly. They want to rush you out because they want to turn over the table and get the new clients and get more money and blah blah blah. But it's such a different mentality. Oh, elsewhere. huge, huge! It's just like until you're like, I am done ready for the bill, do they yeah. actually pick up your plate? I yeah. enjoy that. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to enjoy my meal. I want to, like, enjoy my time here. And, yeah. and, you know, I don't need anyone rushing me out, you know, or taking my plate when there's still two bites on, on there. Yeah. I I'm not those. done. I'm not done. Don't take my shit away from me. Oh, my. You want to hear my pet peeve? <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Whether you want to hear it or What's not, it's happening. When a waitress or waiter takes my plate away and is like, oh, you must have been hungry. Shut up. Shut up right now. Like, yes, I ordered the food that I wanted because I was hungry. I ate it all because I was hungry. So don't make those types of comments because I dislike that very much. One time. One time at band camp. True story. (laughs) But one time when I worked at a restaurant, I went to this table and... You know, I fe- I like to think that I had a good, I I could understand tables, flows, and what they were looking for, so I was never like overly like hovering and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But there was this one table that I had, and they uh, they ordered their food. It was a table of four, and it went back very much a family, and like there was just like weird animosity between the okay. adults anyway. I go to get their plate or check in. And nearly every, I mean, two people have cleared their plates. And this one person at the table, I think it was the dad, had this paella that we served. And it's this big-ass honking bowl. Okay. okay. There was maybe, like, a sixth of it left. Okay. And I probably waited, like, 10 to 15 minutes to see. And you can also see, if somebody's pissed off about the food, like, you can see it. So, like, I would immediately go over there if I yeah. thought that. Yeah. So I go collect plates and I was like, oh, do you, do you guys like need anything? And the guy's like, he's like, this is terrible. But he ate it all. It, yeah. But, and he wasn't joking. Like sometimes we'll be like, oh God, this was awful. You know, it's like, you like basically like let the plate clean. Like, and it's an obvious joke. Right. This guy was not joking. And he's like, I don't like this. He's like, this was terrible. And I was like, well, it looked like you enjoyed it. There's not much left. And he goes, I want to speak to a manager. And they fucking count his bill. But I was like, uh, again, you don't want to intrude, but it's like, I I feel like there are just weird shit, weird shit happening. But I think that I like the mentality of everything is unique and everything is different. Mm -hmm. And when you travel, it's a different vibe. It's a different, like, 
I don't expect to love everything that I eat. And if I don't like something that I ordered, I'm not going to like patronize someone for it or just like it's being you have to be open to the experience and you have to be open to trying new things yeah and what you said you have to respect the you have to respect respect the culture there yeah but don't be so close-minded like Mm -mm. you've got to go in with an open mind and just don't be a jerk be ready to because once you let that guard down yeah you experience things and you enjoy it in a way that i don't think that you can when you have that guard up with expectations and that's true all that stuff i would agree with that can can i tell you my favorite anthony bourdain quote yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry (laughs) (laughs) i was just having a good time with that (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah 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 mm-hmm yup 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 (laughs) as we just like make up sounds no Um, that's from eureka's castle did you ever watch that show Eureka's Castle. Oh my god, I did, but I can't remember it. I just know the name. Yup, yup, yup. I don't remember. I'm gonna that. find this. Okay. All right, please okay. read. So, it's an irritating reality that many places and events defy description. Angkor Wat and Machu Picchu, for example, seem to demand silence, like a love affair you can never talk about. For a while after, you fumble your words, trying vainly to assemble a private narrative, an explanation, a comfortable way to frame where you've been, and what's happened. In the end, you're just happy you were there with your eyes open and lived to see it. It's very true because I feel like there's been so many places that I've been where, like, words defy their description and pictures don't do anything do any, justice. any justice. So you're like... You have to be there. You have to see the exactly. size. You have to, like, be experienced and see exactly the nooks and crannies and all that. Yep. And, and the obsession with taking pictures while you're there... Don't do it. Like, take a fu- couple. Is it terrible? Like, is it terrible? Because I feel like I feel like I'm a bad tourist because I don't have my no. Camera I feel or like you take a few pictures, but like you, it doesn't embrace the experience. Like you can't, you can't describe it with pictures. You just can't. You can't experience you can't, anything behind a lens. No, and you can't. You can't describe it with words. Sometimes you just. Yeah. I mean, like sometimes it's just like you it's just gotta go. It's a. It's it's right there in the moment. Yeah, but like. And if you could describe it with words and pictures, then what would be the point in going and experiencing it for yourself? You know, it's a feeling you get when you're there. Yeah. And it's like embracing everyone, that. I feel like it's like wine. Travel is like yep. wine. Exactly. Everyone has their own perception of what is in the bottle or what is around them. And it's, you can't expect somebody to give you all of the answers. No. And different right? things touch different people. Right. And so it's like, maybe you don't like this Cabernet. Like we like this cabernet. I like this cabernet. It's, it's, I actually think that this is a pretty mild cab, like in my honest mm-hmm. opinion. And so maybe people want something a little bit more bold, a little bit more. I'd say it's yeah, more cherry for cherry fruit forward. But like again, wine and travel. I think. Well, wine is a great excuse to travel, but I think that you can equate them because. Everyone picks up something different. Well, the beauty of wine is that it, it walks you through some sort of experience that is similar to travel, right? Yeah. So you walk, like if we have a wine from France, you kind of open that bottle, you look at like where it's from, right? You drink what valley, it, whatever. It, exactly. And you experience that region and the history and what that tastes like. And that's part of the. <laughs> Almost dropped the computer. It's fine. That's that's part of the, the my fascination with wine, at least, is is 
you know, like you can kind of travel with wine as wine. (laughs) I'm sorry, but Jamie just almost dropped everything. My face just got really flushed. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah, no, it, it does travel with you. So let's close this guy out. Yeah. And let's say, but wait, I do think this is very cherry. Is it? It's stupid because I can't get a ton of. You're gonna hate me, but I get some raspberry. Are you gonna? This. I actually do too. There's like an extra tart, and there's like a slight acidity to it, but it's sort of like that, you know, seedy raspberry. Jamie doesn't like raspberries, no, but I don't know about flavor. I don't know. It's good. I actually think it's only it's, medium tannin. I don't think it's high tannin. No, it's not. No. It's soft tannins. Mm-hmm. It's medium, um, medium bodied. I would say, and it's. I, I would say yeah. too, and it's it, it's, it's usually it's a fuller bodied wine. For a cab, so this right. is like a this is. But it's good. I mean, it's well balanced. It's mm-hmm. soft. It's fruity. Is it slightly um, leathery too? Mm, I don't get much leather, but I get something else on the nose, but I can't. I can't. I'm not gonna lie. It. It's it is pretty delicious. Yeah. We've almost polished off this guy. Uh, what? I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's not like we had wine before. Sunday fun day. So, you know. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, thank you all On for joining note. us. On that note. And um, if you have any interesting places you'd like to share <gasps> with us. Yes. We're definitely adding to our bucket list. Yeah. Or or ideas that you would like to contribute to yeah. uh, topics wise. Please email us. Yo. Say Hi. Say yeah, please just say hi. Just check in with We'd us. We'd love to hear from you. We would. And actually, if you have any questions for us, uh, we have a goal to do a sort of Q and A. Yeah, um, we would like to do Q and A Q and A episodes. So we might have somebody jump in as the uh, questioner and reading all of our listeners' questions, mm-hmm. and then we will be answering them. Um, with we already have a special wine picked out for it. So. Please make that happen and send us Come any and knock questions. on our door. We'll be waiting for you. <laughs> All right. With that, uh, happy it's travels, everybody. All right. Cheers. Cheers, bitches. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.